Good morning. Um, I would like to start out today by teaching you a greeting um, in Hassaniya. It's a greeting universally used by Muslims around the world. Salam alaikum. It means may peace be upon you. But your response is walaikum salam. So salam alaikum. Salam alaikum. Good. You're saying and peace be upon you too. My name is Clarice Hammett, and I graduated from CLU in 2006. Um, Just a little background about myself and what I've been doing since then. For the past two years and three months, until this past September, I served as a Peace Corps volunteer in the Islamic Republic of Mauritania, Northwest Africa, an extremely unique country that stretches across parts of the Sahel and Sahara deserts. I began my training as an English teacher, and then was one of three volunteers to pilot a new sector called Girls' Education and Empowerment. My primary work consisted of running a girls' mentoring center, where I organized classes in various subjects like French, English, computer lessons, life skills, and arts and crafts to encourage the girls to continue with their education. Early and arranged marriages are very common there, and most girls do not even make it through secondary school. I lived in a regional capital called Kifa, with a population of about 50,000 people, about 635 kilometers from the capital, Nuakshat. Just to give you an idea of how far that is, it takes about 10 to 12 hours by car to get from Kifa to Nuakshat. I wish I could tell you much more about Peace Corps and Mauritania than I have time to today, and believe me, I would if I could. Um, But I just wanted to share briefly with you the three goals of Peace Corps. It's an organization that was established by President Kennedy in 1961, and the three goals are helping people of interested countries in meeting their need for trained men and women, helping promote a better understanding of Americans on the part of people served, helping promote a better understanding of other peoples on the part of Americans. So I hope that speaking to you today will give you a little little better understanding of Mauritania. Inshallah. This word in Hassaniya that comes from Arabic means God willing. It is used on a more than daily basis by Mauritanians since it is an Islamic republic and they rely heavily on Allah to direct their future and lives. They use it when telling a friend or neighbor they will see them the next day, that they will be in a certain place at a certain time, which is usually a general estimate, or when they are going on a trip and will arrive safely at their destination. Over my two years there, I saw how religion was infiltrated into every aspect of daily life. I would wake up to the morning prayer call at 5 a.m. or hear the voices of children reciting prayers. I would see women sliding prayer beads through their fingers while traveling, constantly praying for their loved ones at home. When I walked through the market or visited friends around one of the hours of prayer, they would perform their ablutions, washing of their face, hands, and feet before praying. If I were eating a meal with my host family or friends, I would join them in saying, Bismillah, which means a beginning in the name of God, before putting my hand into the bowl of rice. Even Peace Corps volunteers, myself included, started using this word in our conversations between ourselves because we hear it so often. The only challenging thing about working with what I call the inshallah attitude 
is that sometimes people use it as an excuse not to work. Let me give you an example. A volunteer is supposed to meet a Mauritanian friend somewhere in town, but she shows up at the established place at close to the established time, and the Mauritanian friend is nowhere to be found. In other words, it wasn't in God's plan on that particular day for the volunteer to get any work done. This happened to me more times than I can count. I also realize that this is a cultural difference, and Americans are very work-oriented, while Mauritanians are pretty much exactly the opposite. Eventually, over my two years' time, I figured out and accepted that this is just the way Mauritanians approach their lives. The girls that I worked with accepted the fact that they were supposed to take whatever path God had in mind for them, whether it was marriage or finishing school. This was perhaps one of the many challenges I found in my work with the girls, trying to empower them to bring about changes for themselves and their communities. If they were already content with their current situations, and they were told that this was what God's will for them was, how could they envision something different? Could they see a life that broke the traditional cultural expectations and roles for females? How could I, a foreigner, affect change? Even more complicated, how could I make them see the light while remaining culturally sensitive? During the time that I worked with the girls, I tried as much as possible to incorporate role models, Western and Mauritanian, into their lessons, people such as musicians and politicians. I invited my host mother to speak about the work that she does at the United Nations Population Fund. I taught an English lesson using a text about Ellen Johnson Sirleaf, the first woman president of Nigeria. During all of these events, I wondered if the girls could see themselves doing similar things to these women someday. Would any of them become singers or politicians or work for international aid organizations? One of my fondest memories of my work in Kifa was International Women's Day in 2008. The girls developed and performed skits about the importance of girls' education and the dangers of female genital mutilation at the youth center in town for a large audience. There were about 200 people present. Many of the girls' friends and family members came to watch. It was amazing to see how much self-confidence some of them had gained over the two years I had been there. I wondered if these activities would help facilitate conversations on topics related to female genital mutilation in families in the community. These kinds of conversations are still fairly uncommon between parents and their children in Mauritania, but people are starting to talk more and more about the dangers of female genital mutilation and the importance of girls' education. I also wondered, would my girls someday be able to talk to their own children about such things? I can only hope that my work there made a small impact on the girls and the other people that I encountered, and that I encouraged them to be proactive within their inshallah attitudes. Looking at the text that was read today, Philippians 4, verses 10 through 13, which I have long enjoyed, I have found a new meaning in. I can see that God is giving us the same message. I have always thought that the first part of the passage was very straightforward, so I'm going to read that part again. I rejoice greatly in the Lord, that at last you have renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you have been concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. 
I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. This is God telling us to learn to be content with whatever he has willed for our lives. I don't mean to say that we should just sit back, be passive, and think that God is going to take care of every single thing in our daily lives. Granted, there are certain situations over which we have no control, when we've done everything humanly possible. Those are the times we need to let God take over. But there are so many times in life when we should be content, no matter what the circumstances, because there is some sort of blessing or some amazing person or something that we need in order to survive. We may not have everything we desire, but we have enough to be content and thankful for. In Mauritania, for example, I did not have many modern conveniences that we think of as necessities here in the States. But I was content there because of the friends I made, the people I met, and the girls that I worked with. I learned to be content no matter what. I was content because I was not the passive spectator, waiting for God to bring about change. I was proactive in the situation that God had given to me. This brings me to the second part of the passage, the part that holds a new meaning for me. I can, do all th- I can do everything through him who gives me strength. We are supposed to be proactive and make change with the talents and abilities that God has given us. This part also tells us that through God, we have the power to change our current situations. We can better the situation by being active participants in life. God's will is there, and when we are interacting with God, he, he's going to give us the strength to be active and engaged. We may not know what God has planned for us, but we can rely on the fact that he is going to empower us to change it if he deems it necessary. Amen. Amen.